This is the Action Network Podcast. And it is good. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. That's right, the golf edition. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Justin Ray, the head of content of the 15th Club, and we will get into everything RBC Heritage-related, one of my favorite events, first of all, to prognosticate, and second of all, just to watch. It's got such a cool vibe to it, especially after Masters Week. I mean, Masters Week is guys pulling their hair out, and Harbortown is... Guys, just kind of chilling, just a nice, relaxed, calm vibe. So we'll get to all that. But yes, of course, we're coming off the Masters. And uh, Jay Ray, you and I just talked about it before we started the pod. We're taping this, we're recording this right now at close to 8.15 Monday evening. The two of us have both just spoken as much as we can speak about Hideki Matsuyama's win. Like radio, podcast, TV, whatever. I mean, we've been there, done that. I'm not sure there's anything else. I have left to say, so let's stay on brand and let's talk masters from sort of a gambling perspective. So uh, first question, I like for it, you. man. I'm out of words. I'm yeah, out of words. To I'm reply. with you, dude. It was an awesome week, but I'm fresh out. So yeah. let's keep our, I'm keep, with you. So let's brand. give, give me a quick, quick thought on Hideki. And then like, what, what kind of ceiling does Hideki have? I, I think that's a good question. Wake of his latest victory. It's a great question. You know, he, what was not talked about a ton on the broadcast yesterday is just how long they talked about how long it had been since he had won, but they didn't talk a lot about the guy hadn't had a lot of form in the last six, eight months. He wasn't the same. Like this wouldn't have been like, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a surprising outcome. It would make, it makes sense that Hideki Matsuyama would put it together and win the masters. But wouldn't this made more sense two, three, four years ago when he was Mm -hmm. around the top five in the world though. I don't think there was enough made of that. The, my favorite uh, number for that drought was that he was more than 1,300 days since his last win around the world. The last Masters champion to have a gap that large was Larry Mize in 1987. So it doesn't happen very often that a guy goes years and years without a win around the world and then breaks through at Augusta National. It's tough to get into the Masters without a win in that kind of window. So, um, yeah, no, the ceiling for Hideki, though, um, is his putting consistent enough to where – You could see him break through and win multiple more majors. Probably not. I could see him winning an open championship someday just because as strong as his ball striking is, those slower greens. I I kind of, you know, he contended in the 2013 open championship before he got that. It was a slow play penalty on in round three when he was really young, really Mm -hmm. young guy. He had a slow play penalty called on him. It was kind of a big story that day. And then he faded from the discussion and we all forget because of the amazing Sunday and Phil winning anyway, but um, that's kind of the one I had pegged for him to win just because of his player profile and his propensity to not make a zillion putts. So um, I don't know. I'm wondering what you think. If you think maybe he's got another one in him someday, or um, is this kind of, you know, a master? I mean, it's a pretty good ceiling to have as master's champion, but. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, Hideki, your ceiling is you get a green jacket. Uh, by the way, did you see the pictures on social media today of Hideki flying through Atlanta airport and just like, <laughs> sitting not in like the luxury first class section of the airport where it's like, Hey, you get to go in there and they have free bagels and coffee, but like, I'm as a gate C 57. Exactly. Probably got on that train, that tram in, uh, Mm -hmm. in Atlanta airport that 
half the world has been in at one point in their lives. He was of probably, course. you know, get down. He's got the he's got the coat over his shoulder, getting well, on the tram and trying and to get he, to, you know, Terminal D. And you know <laughs> they make them take the jacket off if you wear a jacket. And you're going through security. You have to take the jacket off. That is a so great threw the point. Green jacket in one of those dirty ass pins, <laughs> and had to go through security. And like for a minute, he can't see his stuff. There, there is a solid minute where Hideki Matsuyama on Monday morning is going through security, and there's a bin just going through a security thing somewhere. Where this is a green jacket coming through. He's and walking like, by like the varsity and Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. Movie King in the airport. He's got the green jacket on his shoulders. What yeah. What a I scene. Mean, there, there was definitely a point where like he's going to pull the green jacket off the conveyor belt and some other guy's like, yo, are those my shoes? Are those my, is that my belt or your belt? And like so, you know, some, you Some kid green, with no. some toy that's got spit on it or something. Yeah. You oh. know, like, yeah. I mean, <sighs> I don't know what else he He's do. a man I, of the people, though. You got to love that. I saw a picture. Someone took a, I think it was his caddy's Instagram stories, and they, they snapped a, a still of him. And the, do, him and the boys were celebrating drinking draft beer out of plastic cups, which I thought was perfect. I mean, that's the way to do it. Why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, just a lot of a lot of really cool everyman vibes with the celebration for Hideki. And I think it won. What's the better picture? Philip the Krispy Kreme? A few years ago, after with the green jacket, or Hideki in the airport's kind of surreal. Phil's pretty damn good at the Krispy Kreme. Yeah, Phil's was sort of premeditated. He knew he knew I'm going to go to the Krispy Kreme in my green jacket, and they're going to take a picture of me, and it's going to go viral. I mean, there's a more premeditated vibe with Phil, but um, yeah, Hideki sitting there is pretty good too. And pretty uh, good, yeah, yeah, it was. Sure. That was that was fun. I by the way, if I'm Hideki, the first thing I do when I get in Butler Cabin is go, "Hey, Freddie, you got one of them like private jets you can give me for? Can I get to Tokyo? Like, come on, man! I just won your tournament. You're gonna send me to Hartsfield. Like, what are we with doing? Some of the with some of the talks we've had about NFTs over the last month or two, I thought you were gonna say he needs to get an NFT of his caddy bowing to the course after he. Fix the flag up and, and make fair. that happen immediately. That's cool. I like that, that one. That already be in the works. What a uh, what what a perfect exemplification of just just you know dignity and respect at an esteemed venue. I just thought it was so cool the way yeah. it came together and the understated, joyful kind of feel you could get from Hideki as he walked off the green on Sunday was awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, back to Hideki's ceiling. I will go. I will give him a PGA Championship at some point. Um, didn't he? Come close in 2017 at Quail Hollow. Yes, yes okay. he did. I thought so. So yeah, I'll give him a PGA at some point. Like I look, um, there are no floodgates anymore. Uh, you know, people always talk about it, that was always the discussion for years. Like one, some guy wins one, and it's it, are the floodgates going to open? Well, the floodgates for open for Lucas Glover. <laughs> yeah, no, there's their floodgates don't exist. The gates are closed. There, there are no floods, no gates. Uh, yeah. He will, you know, at some point. I, think he might win another major and if he doesn't i won't be shocked and if he wins two more i won't be shocked if he wins six more then we'll have a conversation about it. we'll bring back to this pod and we'll tell everyone how wrong we were so um i don't think so I, six more he's tom watson like it's a different kind of conversation you know? exactly, exactly he has so, been arguably maybe like a top five iron player for like seven years on the pga tour and a so. bottom five putter yeah yeah it's it's bottom 15 percent or so not bottom five yeah. overall but it hasn't been great, but that iron play is going to carry him everywhere. 
and he can be a factor if he gets a hot week going like he did last week. He was top 20 in strokes game putting, and yeah. that was all yeah. he needed. Well, well, that's the narrative today, then, is if Hideki could just putt like that every week, boy, he'd be – well, he can't, so that's why he hasn't done this until now. If he could right. do this, yeah. if he could putt like that every week, yes, he would he win 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, I got two questions for you before we kind of move on from the Masters. But the first one is – of all the other contenders, who did you see up there that you say that guy is going to win a green jacket someday? Undoubtedly, John Rahm. Yeah. I don't know how you could come to any other conclusion. Um, little slow getting out of the gates, three straight rounds of 72. Unbelievably, each of his first nine hole scores, six nine hole scores of the week were 36. Wow. That's crazy. That had never happened before uh, in the, as long as I had data going back. But, um, yeah, nuts. Uh, but anyway, lighting it up on Sunday, that's more of what he's able to do. It was his third career round already of 66 or lower at the Masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, he's got every tool in the toolkit. And coming off of a big life event, I think it's tough for him to expect – tough to expect him to play his best golf, um, which he didn't necessarily show through the first couple of days. But he's the first guy when I look at that list and say, I mean, obviously it's kind of the easy answer that I'm taking because he's the probably the best player on that board. But um, – He'd be my pick. I'm interested to hear if you've got a different response or if you go Rom as well. No, I'm going with the exact same thing. That's exactly what I was thinking. I spoke with him after the round, and, you know, he kind of had this whole, like, yeah, I mean, you know, first three days, never really got it going today. You know, could have been even a little bit better, but, you know, this and that. I'm like, so finally, John, are you, are you happy with this or not happy? And his answer was, yeah, of course I'm happy. He didn't look happy. He's like, of course I'm happy. Still a top five in a major with a great round on a Sunday. 15 straight rounds of even par or better here. Clearly, I like the place. I play good here. My year is coming. Let's hope it's soon. I mean, yeah, he's very, very confident. Yeah, as he should be. I mean, if you look at his strokes game numbers, he's the best driver of the golf ball at the Masters the last five years. He leads in strokes game off the tee. The last four years now, thanks to DJ's bad week and Rom having another good one, John Rahm has the best cumulative score to par at Augusta National over the last four years now. And I know he said after the round on television, uh, I think he was talking on CBS, you know, yeah, I have got some high finishes, but I've never really had a chance to win. You know, that's that sentence, while revelatory in that, you know, telling you maybe not all those statistical trends are, are completely articulating the truth of what happened, that just mm-hmm. lets you into his head to know that, he knows where he is and what he can do and what he's capable of. And he expects him, he expects to be a contender in every major championship he plays in and he should be. And, you know, that's, it's just the, a confidence that comes from success that's been repeated over and over again on the biggest stages. And it's just a matter of time before he gets a major championship. He may very well be a major champion by the time we get to Augusta next year. Uh, I would not be mm. surprised by that. And by the way, can you do a favor, do me a favor, please, Justin. Yes. I picked John Rahm to win this, this past week. Can you remind me in 51 weeks to do it again? Yeah, it's a pretty good pick. I mean, my pick was JT, and that looked pretty good for about uh, 45, 46 holes, and then it and, all went Until the rain came. It, really, the delay killed him. He said it yesterday. Yeah. I spoke with him as well. He said, you know, I, I was fine. I was cruising along, and then all of a sudden – we're delayed for like an hour 15. I come back out and I'm terrible. I make a triple. I make a bogey the next one. I'm out of it. It's a great point. And in retrospect, when we get 12 months down the road, you might just look at his finish and be like, yeah, he started out hot, but stumbled. But you got to remember the context of it too. Yeah. I mean, 
as as much as that delay looked like it helped Hideki Matsuyama, whatever he learned scrolling through his phone in his car as he was talking about, I mean, it was the opposite effect on JT. So um, I still like Justin Thomas's chances in the future to do this too. I, I talk at length about how great of an iron player he is and how significant approach plays as Augusta National. Um, I'd be surprised if he didn't have a green jacket one day as well. I mentioned that I asked John if he was happy after the round. I asked Justin if there are positives he could take from this, you know, because he, he was – he was pissed off afterwards. I mean, you know, understandably so. No doubt yeah. about it. And he kind of looked at me and said, positive. Said, you know, I hit the ball really badly and I scored really badly, and I'm still like what 21st. He's like, that's a positive. He's like, I played pretty much as badly as I could for two days, and it still wasn't that bad. So he's like, I'll take that as a positive. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I I want to move on to the second part of this question, which is, of all the players who didn't play well. Who do we think has a window that's now closing? And I, I guess we – not even the players we didn't play. I was going to just say the guys that missed the cut, but anybody. Whose window is closing? I was asked this on a radio show earlier today, and I gave a very quick answer to it, and I'm not sure I was able to think it out long enough. But who, who do we look at from this past week and say, boy, I'm just not sure it's going to happen for him at Augusta? Um, I, the first, logically, the first guys I think of are the ones who were up there a little bit more in age. Um, was this probably Lee Westwood's best last chance? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Justin Um, Rose. Just, yeah, he's on the other side of 40, kind of snuck up on me. I didn't even realize the guy was 40 years old at this point. And at at some point you have five chances to win at Augusta and you blow all of them. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. He's know. led after seven rounds and not one. The most in the history of the Masters. Most rounds led in the history of the Masters Gosh. by a player to not win. Um, so, yeah, you, you wonder if you, you run out of opportunities there. I think about a guy like, you know, Matt Kuchar hasn't played as good a golf the last couple of years, but he's somebody who you always thought was going to be a factor at Augusta, had some chances over the last few years. He's probably running out. The guy who's becoming really interesting, though, and I don't think the window is closing, but it's always – it's going to kind of hover above him. We got to start talking about, is this not going to happen for Rory? Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to. Yeah, I, I mean, look, of the five players to complete the career Grand Slam, none of them needed more than three opportunities to get the final leg. Three of them did it on their first try, and then Nicholas, uh, I think it was Nicholas and Player both won their last leg on their third opportunity. This is, I think it's going to be number eight next year for Rory at, at the Masters. Mm-hmm. For some guys, it just doesn't happen. It never happened for Arnold Palmer at the PGA. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something about what happened in 2011. Um, I, I've always been of the belief that he's so talented and so good, he's going to ultimately put himself in enough great positions to win there. But, I mean, you got to entertain the theory that maybe it just won't happen for him there. There's only one of them every year. And yeah, it's really you stumble, hard. You stumble a little bit at that one. You know, your second round at one of them isn't that good. All of a sudden, it's like, well, I got to wait another 52 weeks to get back next year and see if my game's trending in the right direction. Tonight. And I I tend to agree with you. I, I, for years, was of the mindset that, yeah, okay, Rory didn't win this one, but he'll get another one. No big deal. Okay, well, he didn't win again, but it's coming. At some point, we look at it. I mean – I think this working relationship with Pete Cowan is going to be good for him in the long run. I think Rory, when he's got his head on straight, when he's swinging the golf club, he should be one of the top two or three golfers in the world. Right now he's not playing like it. And right now it's very tough to look at him and say, Oh yeah, I think he can beat 
JT and Rom and DJ and Speed. By the way, Speed, uh, another sort of looking ahead and you know, kind of along the same line of questioning that I was asking everybody, but started talking to Speed about the progress he's made over the last few months. Like, yeah, it's getting there. It's been better. Said, but there's a couple little things I know I can do better. And when I start doing them better, watch out. It's going to be really good. And he wow. gave me he gave me the watch out. He was like, it's, I think it's coming. Like not no guarantee. And he was very analytical about it. This was not Jordan Speed saying, you know, pounding on his chest, which he doesn't do anyway. Um, but this is him saying, look, I don't know that it's going to happen, but I, I think it's going to happen. At some point, everything I'm trying to do is going to click. And when it does, it's going to be really, really good for me. And I'm just hoping was, it happens with good timing, meaning by a major championship. He putted really poorly. I know that's kind of stating the obvious for anyone who watched, but he was 51st of 54 players to make the cut in strokes gain putting. Um, his strokes gain long game, so off the tee plus approach, was the best he's had at the Masters since he won in 2015. Wow. Um, I, if he thinks there's another level there, it's really just it all coming together. And you saw it at San Antonio. I don't think he won with his A game. I mean, he, he's got another gear that we've seen in the past that is, is I think, probably what he's talking about, what he's looking for. But um, that's encouraging, especially for a guy – we talked about Rory needing that leg, this uh, this leg, the green jacket for the Grand Slam. He's he's going to be in the among the favorites at Kiowa. He's got to be with the way he's played over the last few months. And, I mean, that's a real – you know, it hasn't really been a storyline going into the PGA Championship the last couple of years just because of his form not being, not being terrific. But it's a legit thing coming into the PGA Championship next month. Yeah. By the way, Kiowa, what, five, six weeks away you said earlier? Six weeks. Six weeks. Okay, we've got a month and a half till we get to the next major championship, PGA. I, I'm feeling like a, a little bit of an out-of-left-field kind of guy. I, I don't know who yet. I have no idea. I'm not making a prediction, but I just – I think this could be one where it's like, hey, it's a little bit kind of – you know, instead of 20 guys can win at Augusta, it's like 80 guys can win at Kiowa, and it could be anybody. I mean, really, I think this could be a wide-open major championship. We're due. We're due. It's been 36 straight majors with a top 50 player in the world winning. Mm. Crazy. The last guy outside the top 50 to win was Keegan at the 2011 PGA. So we're, we're long overdue for somebody to come out of the, from the parking lot and give us a, a shocker of a champion. I also happen to think the same thing about another South Carolina-based event, which is happening this week. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell. Here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. 
Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. RBC Heritage plays. Yeah, I, so I, I woke up at 6 a.m. in Augusta, Georgia this morning, drove six and a half hours back to my house in Orlando and just so I could be home in time to do my radio show. And then after that was over, okay, let's sit down and start doing all this stuff. But I did, again, that word, some research mm. on some stats. So last year, of course, uh, the RBC was the second event we returned to golf after the uh, shut down there for a couple of months and um, it didn't follow the masters, but usually most normal years it does. And it will again this year. And it did. And so I, in the 10 years, I looked at the 10 year trend, 2010 to 2019, I looked at top five in ties at the RBC heritage. And I went over, did they play in the masters? Did they not play? How did they play? If they did play there, you know what I found? Not a whole lot of great stuff. Honestly, I mean, it was okay. It's so of the 54 players, 28 of them had played the masters the week before. So you've got 28 played 26. Didn't. Okay. Okay. It's all right. Um, Of the 28 who did play in the masters the week before two finished top five, four finished top 10, six finished top 20, 13 had missed the cut at Augusta and then went straight to Harbor town and finished top five. So more than twice the number of guys who had missed the cut had better success than the guys who are just in the top 20 at the masters the previous week. What does that tell you? If anything, just that I wasted my time doing research. It tells it's you revealed a fact about what I've been doing for a living for a while now that sometimes you'll mine and mine and have a great idea about something and it will yield you absolutely nothing of value. Yeah. So, so it happens. It happens. You got to, you know, you got to find some, some fool's gold before you hit the jackpot. But I think there are a few things we can take from it. Basically, I think the overarching theme of this is don't be scared off by the guys who missed the cut last week at Augusta, because quite frankly, there have been a lot of guys who missed the cut at Augusta and go on to some modicum of success at Harbor Town. So uh, we'll start with the top of this board. I, I was actually fairly shocked that the top of the board was Webb Simpson, the defending champion, not Dustin Johnson. I, I had this whole little paragraph prepared writing about DJ saying at some point, he's not going to be the field favorite anymore. Right. And then that some point was today. Uh, did that surprise you at all that Webb Simpson at plus eight fifty is the favorite over DJ? Feels like a little bit of a knee jerk reaction to Dustin's miscut at, mm. at Augusta national. Maybe that's what it was. Another thing, I mean, it was an absolute dartboard last year at this golf tournament. I mean, the scores were so low. I mean, it was it was exciting. There was a zillion birdies in that final round, but um, I have a I think it's going to play a little bit differently. Different place on the schedule, probably not as humid. The air won't be as dense, and I don't think they're going to be able to attack as much as they did. So, I mean, Webb Simpson put on a show last year, but Dustin Johnson nearly won this a few years ago. He had the fifty four leave. And then went out and shot an inexplicable 77 on Sunday. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I, he's still the number one player in the world. And um, I don't see why he wouldn't be the favorite. But 
I mean, the board I'm looking at has Dustin as the favorite. Bet MGM up, and it's it's close, but Dustin is the favorite. So um, either way, I think that DJ is – I mean, I, I favor DJ over Webb Simpson this week. Uh, another one, another number that felt just really weird to me. Matt Fitzpatrick, a few years ago, declared that Harbortown is his favorite golf course in the world. And so every person on golf Twitter who plays DFS lineups and – thinks they know stuff about golf, declared that Matt Fitzpatrick is his favorite golf course. I'm going to take him. What a great fit. And it's gotten so much to the point where he's like the third favorite, fourth favorite on the board. I love Matt Fitzpatrick. I pick him a lot. I, I think he's a really good player. He's never finished in the top 10 in six starts here. Just because he really likes the golf course doesn't mean he's going to go out and win every time. You think maybe he? some people fall into – okay, well, I've seen Luke Donald almost win this golf tournament 70 times. So the other diminutive Englishman who hasn't won a major, maybe is they, they get that there's a correlation mentally there that maybe hmm. may exist. Maybe Who's our Matt Kuchar correlation? Because Matt Kuchar played really well here too. That's, that's a good point. Um, Chesson Hadley. Okay, yeah. Okay, that worked. All right. I like it. Um, tall, skinny guy. There you go. Um, uh, the number that I thought jumped off the board to me, I see Colin Morikawa at 20 to one. Um, mm. Yes. He he's only played here once before and it was, you know, of, of not, you know, real, wasn't a glittering finish, but the way he hits his irons, I, I mean, and as important as, you know, mid to short irons are going to be on this golf course all week. Uh, Colin Morikawa seems like a really good value at the top of the board at, at 20 to one. I, I, he was the name I circled immediately when I looked at the odds. Yeah, uh, I'm dipping a little bit lower this week. I quite honestly think that this week could just be a a really weird leaderboard with a lot of different names, eclectic up top. I mean, I, I can see an Abraham answer. I'd take Abraham answer too often. I know he's runner-up. Like, he should have won this you golf tournament last year. His answer. ball striking was so good. It he was. should be the defending champion. Webb just – Webb played great down the stretch. But I like answer. Uh Looking further down. Oh, my. Looking at BetMGM. Oh, shop around this week, folks. I, I take back what I said about Matt Fitzpatrick because he was tied for third favorite on some other places book. And he is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, yeah, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He is tied for 11th at 30 to 1 on BetMGM. I, apparently, the bookmakers have – not spoken with each other this week. Uh, everyone's in their master's hangover. They were celebrating Kadeki Matsuyama's victory. That's what was going on. That is strange. Well, uh, shop around this week, but shop to bet MGM if you'd like to play either Webb Simpson or Matt Fitzpatrick. Much better numbers than we're seeing in other places. Uh, a guy I really like this week, probably my favorite outright play. Um, and I know I just went through this whole spiel about how guys who contend at Augusta usually go to Harbor Town and they're just wiped out and they don't play that well. But uh, Brian, Brian Harmon's too gritty to be wiped out. Dude, uh, I knew that is, was the name you were going to go with. Yeah, Absolutely. it's just he, he's been playing well. It's a golf course that I've always thought should suit him really well. I, I think he's one of the best chippers from around the greens. And you're going to miss greens at Harbor Town, really small, uh, really small uh green complexes and you're, you're going to miss with your irons. Uh, everybody is. And so I, I will take Brian Harmon from off the greens more so than just about anybody else. And so uh, 33 to one at Ben MGM this week. I, I like that play. You like him just off the greens. He's very good on the greens at Harbor town as well. He's ranked third in strokes game putting at Harbor town since 2015. 
pair of top 10 finishes there in his career, three straight events. Now he's contended going into the weekend. Um, I'm with you. I think he's a perfect fit. It was the second name I wrote down after Colin Morikawa. Um, Harmon, I probably am going to have tickets on him to top 10 in now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Glad to hear we're on the same page. Uh, looking further down. I, I think you can find a lot of value here this week. Siwoo Kim is a guy that uh, his name pops out. It made just a Pete Dye specialist. He's played really well at this place before he had a runner up finish. Matt Kuchar, if you want an absolute course horse, Kuchar has been there, done that at this golf tournament, uh, along with the guys like Webb Simpson, Luke Donald. I'm not sure I'd go as far as Luke Donald right now, but um, yeah, probably not. Yeah, that's. Uh, by the way, a lot of the Euros are playing. A lot of the Euros who played at Augusta are just making the you know a couple hours down the road, making the trip there. And uh, so you look at guys like Westwood, uh, Bobby McIntyre, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, so Shane Lowry. There's this Wyden Height. What'd you call him? Bazuden I, I I can't do it. I, I I had it last week for a while and I lost it. It's like it, I'll give you slack because you woke up and you before dawn. Bazuden and that was closer. I know I'm giving you, I don't I'm, know. I know I giving you a hard time, but you know, jeez, I kid because I care. I'm just trying to list a bunch of guys who normally play European Tour golf that are over here still, and I, I guess I shouldn't mention them. You know, no, what? not at all. Good as you should, and it's a completely valid point. You mentioned McIntyre. Uh, Shane Lowry's interesting this week. He's another guy who's putted really well in his career in this event. Sergio Garcia is playing again. Uh, last year he played in this event for the first time since 2005. So not a tournament that Sergio usually tees it up in. I'm only sticking with names like uh, Kirk, Todd, Wise, <laughs> Pan. I like him. Long. How about that? Sink. It's good. <laughs> List. Four. <laughs> no, no no last names over four letters we have derailed uh, let me let me get us virus back into some betting advice another okay. guy i like i'm gonna have him to top 20 and probably the top 10 as well uh russell henley seeing him at 50 to 1 to win tied for third place in his last stroke play event at the honda classic he's putted well in his career here not something you usually associate russell henley with the strength of his game over the last few years um has been his iron play um you know, I know earlier in his career he had some better putting numbers, but sixth in strokes gained putting in this tournament since 2015. Uh, he missed the cut here the last two years, but he also was a top 10. Uh, I like that number for Russell Henley, especially with that putting note. I've got a few guys who are playing much better than their odds would indicate, and I think there's a lot of value here. One is Adam Hadwin, who uh, you go back a year and a half, Adam Hadwin was – a very, very good player. He's since gotten passed on the Canadian order of merit, if you will, from uh, Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. But I still am not sure that Adam Hadwin isn't the best of the bunch from uh, from the Great White North. So I like Hadwin at 100 to 1. And then um, there he is, 125 to 1. JT Poston has a pair of top eight finishes here. He's played well in his last couple of starts. He was 22nd at the Players' Championship. So uh, he's a guy that I like. If we dig even deeper... Uh, my boy, Doc Redman. Doc Redman. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doc Redman hasn't been good at all, um, but he leads a brigade of Carolina guys that I will be banking on this week. It includes him, Matthew Neesmith, Chesson Hadley, Maybe some Adam Shank. I believe some Adam Shank has some Carolina in him 
at some point. I, I just guys with Carolina connections that um, tend to play well there. But Neesmith is a guy that I really like. I, he can win this golf tournament, quite honestly. I like it. Some Sea Island vibes. You know, it's kind of the, the – mm-hmm. that's always the tie-in there. Um, one guy I like, a veteran player. He's 200-1 to one this week. Eight top 25s in his last 10 starts in this golf tournament. The greatest golfer in the history of Slovakia, Mr. Rory Sabatini. Huh. Uh, two, 200 to one, a lot of great course history. He's ranked fifth in strokes gained tee to green at this golf course the last five years. Um, I think there's some value there for a top 20, maybe a top 10 for Sabatini, um, just simply based on how well he's played here. I think course history says a little bit more here than at maybe your typical PGA tour venue, not as yes, much as yeah. Augusta national, but because it's such a unique place and there's so many different types of shots that maybe players aren't going to necessarily have to hit week in week out. Um, you mentioned the tiny greens guys going to have to get up and down way more often. Um, the scrambling percentage of winners in this golf tournament is way higher than the PGA tour average of winners over the last 10 years or so. So I think that, you know, there's some cor- course history probably has a little bit more correlation success this week than maybe week in week out. I will take you in matchups, side action matchups. Uh, I'll take Redman, who's also 200 to one, and Neesmith, who's 200 to one against Sabatini. You got two guys? I got one? Well, I mean, there's two separate matchups. You can oh, win okay. Twice and then, both, okay, I thought you were going. All right. Yeah, no, I'll take that. Or, or no, if you want to do a three ball, I get two of them and you get one. That sounds even better to me. I mean, I'm, I wasn't going to say yes to that. I mean, that's why I was clarifying. <laughs> right. But uh, one other name that I thought was interesting. Pair of top 20 finishes here in this event. Bryce Garnett. Big ticket. There you go. That's what yeah. I call you. That's what they, I call him. Like the old <laughs> tied, for ninth, tied for ninth two starts ago at Punta Cana. Uh, I think there's some value down the board for, for, some, for a play there for Bryce Garnett. All right, cool. We're going to get to our uh, five questions in just a second. But before we move on, we want to show some love to our sponsor, Athletic Brewing Company. You know, Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters on Sunday. Do you know what his secret was? Sure, he was strong tee to green. Yeah, I guess he putted well, but I'm talking about the real secret. That's right. He stayed totally sober during every round. Maybe not afterwards, but during every round. It's true. You can't slip on a green jacket getting shit-faced before a men quarter. This is really the copy. And that's where our friends at Athletic Brewing come in. Because for years now, Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy. Beers that celebrate the innovation of great craft beer without the alcohol. So if you want to take it easy on the booze and keep your ball on the fairway, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support the show, head to athleticbrewing.com, check out their selection and place an order using code ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order. If you order two or more six-packs, shipping, as always, is free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. You know, Jay Ray, I'm never sure if we can use naughty words on this pod or not, and then I do a read and it's got shit-faced in it. So I, like I guess that's a yes. Light, that ship has sailed. Well, let's talk some shit on here about uh, five <laughs> questions, and then we'll get to our DFS lineup. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is Five Under. Um, I wanted to know what was your single favorite aspect of being on the grounds at Augusta National last week? So, and this is just, this is a very personal thing for me. Um, and this 
I'll try to explain it. It'll make sense to you, Jay Ray. It won't make sense to some people listening unless I explain this very well, but. Um, That's okay. It's only for me anyway. I'm uh, there you go. So when walking reporters go out on the golf course, when you see Roger Maltby out on the golf course and he's working for NBC, he's got this pack around him and he's got a headset on and he's holding a microphone. That pack is called an RF pack. At every other PGA Tour event, there's three, four, five people for TV and three, four, five people from radio uh, in non-COVID times at least who are walking around the golf course calling golf with an RF pack around their waist and a microphone in their hand and a headset on their head. At Augusta National, before last year, that had never happened. Last year, Dottie Pepper with CBS and Rich Beam with Sky Sports were each given RF packs. So they each had one and they were able to walk around and call golf shots. Uh, this year, the two of them ran it back. They, they both had them. And we at what's called Masters Radio, it's the Sirius XM PGA Tour channel, but during the week it was called Masters Radio. And we were a rights holder for the first time this year and we were given an RF pack. And so it went between myself and John McGinnis during the play-by-play coverage mostly. And I was doing the pregame and Taylor Zarzer was doing some of the postgame. So he had it for a little bit, but I would say there are rough estimate five people on the planet who have ever had an RF pack around their waist and a microphone in their hands, walking the hallowed grounds of Augusta national talking about the golf course, calling shots. And I was one of them, which is like astounding beyond my belief. I, all week, I kept saying it, it was Masters Fantasy Camp. I mean, I've covered a lot of these things. Nothing really phases me. Sort of been there, done that, and it's just not a big deal. And even going to big events, it's just, yeah, okay, it's part of the job. Yeah, I try not to take it for granted. I like it. This, a lot of what I did for the radio side this past week, in addition to all the stuff for Golf Bet and the Action Network, it, it was really cool this week. I had a great week. I'm really happy for you. I'm proud of Thank you, man. You. Um, Thanks, man. Not too bad for production associate at ESPN. No kidding. God, it's like you ladder pretty high. Want to pinch life. yourself sometimes, don't you? Just be like, what? Yeah. What are we doing? What? Are, yeah. What am I doing? What There's is this? Got to be people that's better than us. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know? I've worked at Foot Locker in the Columbia, Missouri Mall in college, and now this is what I do. So, uh, dream big, kids. All right, number two. What was your favorite thing? This is a little lighter fare that you ate or drank all week in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, it was so I, also, I'll tell you this. I literally had a dream about the beach ice cream sandwich at one point. I never even got one. Oh, come on. Now, after all the uh, shit I, I've talked about, I know, that ice cream I just, sandwich. I wanted to rub it in by not having one. I, I felt like that was more of a flex, not yeah. having one than having that might be like, more valuable of, experience being able yeah. to just taunt. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, the best thing I ate all week, it's actually a tie. Uh, on Wednesday evening, Dennis Paulson, or actually Tuesday evening, maybe Dennis Paulson made this pasta with spicy sausage on top of it. Like okay. just at the rental house, we went back to the rental house, opened a couple of bottles of wine. He's like over a hot stove, like going nuts on and like fantastic meal. The next night, Carl Paulson, no relation, but they do a show together called inside the ropes on PGA tour radio. He decided, okay, I want to get in on some of this. And he went and smoked some ribs and had some ribs in the oven like all day. And those ribs were literally fall off the bone. I mean, I picked it up and I'm just, I had a bone in my hand because all the meat just fell right off of it. It was, 
uh, two days of some of the best food I've ever had on the road and had nothing to do with the concessions or green wrapper sandwiches. Nice. That's a surprising answer. I did not expect the Sirius XM PGA Tour radio, Masters radio team to have cooking chops like that. That's I, I tell you what, That's we had a crew. We, we spent a lot of late nights on the back patio, and um, I, I may not be drinking a glass of wine for a while. I've, I've got it uh, all in my system now. So One of the sneaky underrated parts about uh, the media setup that week, most of the year we're in our own little hotel rooms. Everyone, you know goes off into their own world at the end of it. But the hang late at night is pretty good. You, you got, like, some people you work with you like. I mean, that's a good mix. You can, it can also be bad if you got people you don't like. But if you got people you like and, you know, they're making great dinner and you're cracking open a bottle of red or whatever, I mean, that's that's a good recipe right there. It, it's a really good crew, guys, that I was hanging out with this week. And, and by the way, one of them was the shark. Like, Greg Norman was just hanging with us, having dinner with us, just sitting around. Shoot the shit. Did he keep his clothes on at least? His clothes stayed on the entire right. time he was with us. Excellent. All right. Yes. Well, then, then he's welcome to, to stay. They're off at the beginning of the week before he left his house that he was selling and took one last shower in and decided to Instagram from it. But yeah. well, I, he, I, you know what? I, I can't say anything but nice things about him because he was really nice to all of us. We had a really good time. That's awesome. Good to hear yeah. that. All right. Yeah. We'll get back to the golf real quick. All right. Who wins a Masters first? Question three. Who wins a Masters first? Rory, Brooks, or neither? Uh, Rory, handful of high finishes, of course. We know what happened in 2011. Brooks was runner-up, one of the guys at T2 when Tiger won in 2019. Rory, Brooks, or neither player? Neither player. I will take C, none of the above. Okay. I don't, I'm just not. Just your numbers? Yeah. Just looking at it, I very, very quickly thinking like, look, one year Rom's going to win one. One year JT's going to win one. Speed's getting another one or two. Uh, like at some point you run out. I, yeah. If you ask me again tomorrow, I might say, ah, oh, they're both going to win one soon. Ah, Rory and Brooks, they're both fantastic. But for right now, right this second, I realize it's, in the moment, they're both coming off missed cuts. They're not playing their best golf right now. And we might get there next year, and they're both eight to one favorites to win this thing. But uh, right now, I will say neither one. I mean, if we were doing this show in 2010, we wouldn't have said, and hey, that kid who just won the Asia Pacific Amateur, <laughs> oh, Amateur will win. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it, it's kind of an overarching theme. This is really tough to win, man. And I know the day after a major championship, we're probably, you know, Will Zalatoris is probably going to win at least two. You know, yeah. you just. <laughs> Oh, Will Zalatoris' kid's going to be nine. Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. The knee-jerk reaction, but the reality is it's really, really hard to do, and that's why it's so revered when it does happen. So, yeah. I think I might be I might be with you. I might go with the, the neither hmm. as well. So we okay, cool. Probabilities there. So I would love to. By the way, and I would love to see Rory win a green jacket. Oh, God. I, it I would, would be one of my favorite things that, that I've ever covered in sports would be that. It would be awesome. He's one of my – Favorite players on and off the course. And I, I like Brooks Kepka too. I like his edge and mm-hmm. I like him more than a lot of people do. So speaking um, of Rory, my one of my favorite players to interview, also one of my favorite moments ever that I got to talk to him about the other day. He hit his dad with an approach shot. How about that? I, who does that? I, I absolutely love for Jerry. My question afterwards was Rory, <laughs> did you hit your target with your second shot on seven? And he looks at me, he's like, Great. well, I hit something. <laughs> He's like, I don't think he was hurt. He walked away. It seemed like he was all right. 
<laughs> All right, maybe stick a hundred in a in a glove and sign it. Like exactly, we need strokes gained, Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. All right, question four. Bryson DeChambeau has now played in four Masters. His best finish was a tie for twenty first as an amateur. Does Bryson ever win a Masters? No, I'm going to say no on that one as well. I love though, and and a lot of people criticize Bryson like. You can't just go mash it all over the place at Augusta and think you're going to win. Second shot golf course. Bryson himself, after Friday's round, the one round where he played pretty well, uh, stood in front of the media and said, look, this is my greatest challenge. I can't have my greens book. I can't have my calibration tools, which he's walking around with compasses usually and stuff like that. He can't use them. But instead of whining about it, instead of making excuses, which I think he's got a reputation, like at least a lot of people think he's the kind of guy that would do that. Bryson stood up and said, that's why it's such a great challenge for me. And, and we know why we know he's such an analytical mind, an analytical person, not just player, but person. Yeah. And he said, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out this golf course and figure out how my game can fit this golf course. I, I think he's looking at it like it's a mathematical equation and he's trying to solve it. And I really like that answer that he gave, not, oh man, they're just, you know, not letting me use all my good stuff or, Oh, I just, you know, my game, I got to change my game. I can't, it's nice. What a great challenge. And I relish that challenge every year to try to improve and get better on this place. But uh, I don't think he's going to win one, but I love that attitude. His biggest, we talked about this last week previewing his biggest advantage to me that he possesses in his game is the product of the distance when he can miss hit it into the rough and he's hitting wedges and nine irons into out of the rough into greens and getting optimal angles launch angles into greens right and the guys behind him are hitting seven six five and the rough just isn't penalizing at Augusta national it's not so um he did putt better last week uh, Mm -hmm. than he has in his uh, in his past at Augusta I think maybe in time he'll get to the point where he can you know contend and but just sheer number says no he won't now I won't be surprised if he finds a way to crack the code and I mean, who knows? In three years, the guy might have a whole other different approach that, you know, all we knew about in 2015, 2016 was the all the same link clubs. And then he got big and got fast. So who knows what the next evolution is? You know, he's got a long window ahead of him, hopefully, to tinker and drive people crazy. He's going to get rid of the protein shakes. Now he wants to look like Will Zalatoris. Yes. By the <laughs> way, what's Bryson's quad or Zalatoris's waist? Like, what's, what's this? I mean. Bryson could eat Zalatoris. Like yeah, probably easy. like one bite. I mean, I, shoot, I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it, man. All right. Number five. Um, this is a little bit different, but um, it's something I thought about a lot over the last few days. Will there ever be a professional women's event held? Well, let's not say ever. Will there be a professional women's event held at Augusta national within the next decade? And if I, I'll let you think about it for a second, because this is kind of a different question. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked a friend of mine, Lisa Cornwell, who I respect a lot in the game. And because my initial thought was, it sounds great immediately, but does it detract from the history of some of the best, the big major championships in the women's game, whether it's the ANA or the U.S. Women's Open or whatever it might be. And I wanted her take on it. I didn't want to just, you know, go with my man opinion and go with it. I wanted to get mm-hmm. her perspective. And she said, the net gain would be so immense for the women's game that absolutely there would be a benefit. It'd be a positive. So um, I'll roll with that. I, I hope it happens at some point. I think it'd be amazing to see. I thought the last, what we saw in the last eight days or so was kind of like this culmination of the last 10 years of this expansive 
you know, openness of Augusta National with the Asia Pacific Amateur, the Latin American Amateur, the Drive Chip and Putt. We have an Asia Pacific Amateur champion now owning a green jacket, which is I thought was really cool. So I think Augusta National is committed to showcasing the women's game from an amateur level. And I don't know that there's going to be a professional event. I'm, I'm all in favor of it. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I think that would be cool. What I do think needs to happen, though, Jerry, is that they need to figure out different weeks for the ANA Inspiration and the Augusta National Women's Amateur. It's ridiculous that two of the biggest events, and I get one's a professional event, one's an amateur event. It's not even that the players are necessarily like going to pick and choose, although some of the top amateurs uh, do have to pick and choose. It's just, look, you're only sort of in the spotlight for women's golf a handful of times a year. Why are two of those going up against each other on the same weekend? So I just think that's kind of silly that they can't figure that out or haven't figured it out yet. But um, at some point that needs to be fixed. Agreed. And one of my favorite things about the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur is seeing all the different kinds of approach shots that you don't see from the men's game. You know, it's just a totally different look and different strategies and ways to see Augusta National in a way that's probably closer to the way that I might play it than, you know, because my game is going to be closer to, it's not nearly as good, obviously, as one of those women than, you know, a guy who hits it, you know, 310, 320 off the tee. So, um, yeah, I think it would be great. And hopefully it may be able to happen someday, but I just thought it was an interesting, an interesting thought exercise to go through. Yeah. I, again, somehow, someday, some way, I, I hope it happens. I, I just, like I said, I think they're too committed to the amateur tournament now which it's been a huge success five couple 500 foot home runs the first two years so. exactly exactly all right want to get to those are your uh, five questions those are the five questions want to get to a dfs lineup yeah let's do it want to be a dfs millionaire you're just one lineup away we're gonna go nose to nose with him and you're gonna play better than you ever dreamed of because god damn it that's what i demand of you so let's get drafting I had a good DFS week, by the way. Betting was I made my money back. Okay. I, yeah. Huh? Yeah. I, I I felt I got six of six in a couple of lineups and was really fired up about it. And then I remembered that this is the week of the, out of the year where they're the most six for sixes. Yeah. Making the cut. There's <laughs> at the Masters just because there's only you know what 35, 40 guys who miss it. So I, I was up four to four x this week. If Hideki somehow doesn't win and it's any of the other guys behind him, I'm up a lot more X than that. It would have been a really good, it was a good week. If Hideki somehow quadruple bogeys the last hole, it's a really good week, I think. Um, although it's it's hard to look at that and quantify it. So, uh, all right, RBC Heritage, uh, let's get to it. Uh, right off the top, Dustin Johnson's 11,600, Cantley 10,900, Simpson 10,700, Morikawa, Smith, Burger Zalatoris round up the top of the list. You like any of those guys or are you going deeper? What a brave new world when Will Zalatoris is 9,700. Really? The man's not underground anymore, man. He's like the, the band or the rapper that finally blew up and now all your friends know about it too. Like he's <laughs> 9,700. I didn't expect to see that. But when Adam Sandler is tweeting to Will Zalatoris, you know that Will Zalatoris is blown up. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I probably go down a little bit further. Um, yeah, I'll go with a guy. Can I start it off? Yeah, start it. All right, pick number one for me. I'm going to go with the guy I talked about a little bit earlier. We both like him. Uh, 8,700, Brian Harmon. Uh, third can, three straight events he's contended. I don't think he's out of gas. I think 
like we talked about, this is a tournament that it would seem to fit him perfectly. Um, and like I said, ranked third in strokes game putting at Harbor Town since 2015. Um, let's start with Brian Harmon at 8,700. Well, there goes my pick. Uh, I'm glad that we're picking a team together. This isn't like a fancy football draft where you would have just stolen my guy beforehand, but uh, that's where I was planning to go. I will go deeper. Let's save some money here. And I think it's going to be really easy to put together lineups this week where you're leaving money on the table, which could be a winning proposition. Uh, Matthew Neesmith at 6,900. Ball striker on a good ball strikers course at home in his homestead. It's just it's all really fitting him very, very well this week. And I like him a lot. Okay. I like that. I'm going to go with a a veteran who I talked about earlier, Uh, eight top 25s in his last 10 starts here. I like that rate. And I especially like the price of 6,800 Rory Sabatini is going to be on our team this week. Uh, I just, you know, I talked about, told you about the course history ranked fifth in strokes gain T to green this golf tournament the last five years. Um, That saves us a little bit of money. And now we've got 27, six left. For our last three guys. That's a lot of money left. So I, I guess I'll spend some. A good problem uh, to have. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the lock of the year here. Uh, Webb Simpson is not going to play poorly. Uh, it's just, he might not win. Uh, he's not finishing in 48th place, I don't think. I don't no. think. He, he, he's going to play well at 10-7. Um, I don't mind leaving out some of these top guys, but I think you can dig deep enough that you almost kind of have to take one of them or leave like, a lot of money on the table. So I think Webb Simpson can play. Okay. I like that. I see some more value further down the board. Uh, a guy I, I talked about again earlier, but it just happens to fall into my lap here. 7,900 for Russell Henley seems like a really good price. Yeah. Um, tied for third in his last stroke play event. Like I said, at the Honda classic, he's putted really well in his career here. Ranked sixth and sixth in strokes game putting at this tournament since 2015. Russell Henley, 7,900. I've got to take him at that price. All right, so we've got 9,000 left. Sung J.M. Nice. Uh, Sung J.M. Terrible week last week. For terrible. Sunday. Which almost makes me want to take him because it was so <laughs> bad. Like, I just have a feeling he's, you know that guy's been beating balls to death for the last five days or whatever. He can't do it. You know I love Abraham Answer. It's almost too easy right there. Yeah, uh, Tommy Fleetwood's just not quite there yet. I think he's going to get there at some point in the next few months. Sergio, don't love him here. I can see Shane Lowry if the wind starts blowing a little bit. He's played okay. Harris English doesn't excite me too much. Lee Westwood doesn't excite me too much. Billy Horschel keeps falling down and getting his pants dirty, uh, pulling his socks up and stuff. Uh, Kevin Nott, I kind of like. You know what? I'm going to leave 1100 on the table. Okay. It's Siwoo Kim at 7,900. Siwoo Kim, his iron numbers through the first two rounds of the Masters were through the ceiling. He gained like eight and a half strokes on approach Oof. through the first two rounds. He was among the leaders in strokes, gained tee to green all week. Of course, we know what happened with his putter. It was unfortunate. Man was out there putting with a three wood. And it got he putted smashed. well with a three wood. Not, I actually got better. It was pretty, pretty <laughs> remarkable. His numbers improved. Really, they did when he when he cracked the putter. Um, but I like that. I, I I always find it difficult to leave money on the table, but I know that the optimum lineup week in week out, there's cash remaining. So you just got to take that out of your brain. And I really like this team a lot. I think there's a lot of value here. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of value all over the board, up and down this week. So uh, just one more example of how you don't have to spend all the money just because they give it to you. 
Brian Harmon, Russell Henley, Siwoo Kim, Matthew Neesmith, Rory Sabatini, Webb Simpson with 1,100 left on the table. I kind of like that. I want to make more lineups now. I'm just going to leave money out there. And, you know, we, I feel like you should get something in return. Like if, if you don't spend all your money, DraftKings like gives you some of those crowns or something like that for yeah, some kind of booster or whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, Well, thanks for doing this, dude. I know how how busy you've been over the last thousand and twenty four hours out of this. I mean, preaching in the choir, whatever it is, back and forth, because you got up at 4 a.m. and drove down the East Coast and got back home and have been nonstop, too. So got to give people what they want, though, man. Got to give them the picks. We do it all for the listeners. We know you need this podcast. So uh, happy to do it. Uh, Good luck to everybody out there betting on this week's RBC Heritage. We'll talk to you next week. Here's hoping you hit the green. We're finished talking.